Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, this podcast is about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Now, I have a few things to mention before we get into today's episode, which if you've listened to the show before, these should not be a surprise. So first, if you are not already a subscriber, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to the show on so that you always are in the know when new episodes drop. And second, if you find the podcast to be of value, share it with someone else too. I'm always looking to grow and to reach more people. So you telling a friend or two or three is helpful for me to continue to move the ball. All right. So today I've got an awesome guest with us. And now that football is back, SEC football especially, I'm really excited to have someone who knows all about the SEC And so today, inside the huddle with us and ready to share his insights, his lessons, and his thoughts is Dexter McCluster. Dexter is a retired American football running back who played college football for the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss. He was drafted in the second round of the 2010 NFL Draft as the 36th overall pick by the Kansas City Chiefs. During Dexter's career in the NFL, he played for the Chiefs, the Tennessee Titans, and the San Diego Chargers, and he also played in the CFL for the Toronto Argonauts, as well as in the Indoor Football League with the Massachusetts Pirates. And one thing that I was going to say for later, but I'm going to say it now, while playing college football, Dexter was the only player in SEC history to rush for over 1,000 yards and also to receive for over 500 yards in a single season. So we'll get into that in the show and more. But first, Dexter, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. And thank you for the intro, Nate. You got me ready to play a game right now. <laughs> I mean, I, I might come out of retirement, man, just, just for that intro right there. there you go well I appreciate you being here with us today I know we've talked for a little bit about getting you on the show so I'm definitely excited for our chat and where I want to kick off the conversation is talking about you being a competitive multi-sport athlete because in high school you actually lettered in football baseball and track yes I did I try to pride myself on being busy challenging myself in, in different areas just trying to be the best that I can be overall And so talk to us about what has being a competitive athlete taught you about being successful both in sports and in life? Yeah, man, uh, just being an athlete in general. You're you're around uh, your teammates, the team camaraderie, real life situations that you have to deal with, adversities that you have to deal with, whether it's on the field or off the field. You know, so I think just having to fight, you know, on that football field, having to go through adversity, have to go through the toughest of toughest times, but having people around you that can get you through and that can keep motivating you. I kind of took that into my everyday life, even when, you know, I talk to my daughters. I have four girls. I talk to them. I instill in them about always being dependable, just being the best you, the best you that you can be no matter what. So, I mean, life is all about responding. Life is all about what you make. So if you're happy, if you go attack that day, if you go try to be the best person that you can be and whatever you're doing, man, life will, it won't, be, it won't be 
any simpler, but it'll help you. It'll help you out throughout life. Just just having that don't quit mentality. Well, I love that. And I was also going to ask you during the show, what is something that you would pass on to your girls from being a competitive athlete? So I'm glad that you, you brought that up. And a couple of things you mentioned, one, you know, the people around you, the, the team, the camaraderie. I mean, we all know that the people that we surround ourselves with is so important to being right. able to, to move the ball forward. And then just that adversity and never giving up. I mean, each of us have a story. Each of us right. has different experiences that we go through, but it's about not quitting and continuing to push through whatever it is that life throws at us. So I was going to ask you, why did you settle on football? You obviously very good at football. You know, the other sports I'm sure helped you to be Mr. Everything. And we'll come to how you got that name as well. But what was it about football that really excited you? Oh man. I just remember being young, you know, uh, at the age of about six to seven years old. When I touched that football and I ran with it, it just felt so natural. I just loved it. I wanted to watch it every day on TV. You know, I wanted to go out and throw the ball with my dad all the time, you know? So I, I just knew at a young age that it was something special about me and football and my parents, they took that in and they trusted it. And quick story, I don't mean to go off topic, but it's, uh, I was seven years old. I wasn't supposed to be in tackle football yet. And all they see is this little guy. And once they saw me play, they're like, hold on, wait a minute. We may make an exception for him. So they made an exception for me to play tackle football a year early. So that's when I knew that, you know what, this is something I love and I'm going to give everything that I have in doing so. Oh, I love that. And so let's talk about you playing football in high school for a second. And then we'll talk about yes. you at, at Ole Miss. So, I mean, you definitely had some great seasons. Your junior season rushed for 1,424 yards, 14 touchdowns. As a senior, rushed for 2,490 yards and 39 touchdowns. I mean, talk to us about what those seasons were like. And also, what was it about you? What was it about Dexter that made you so great? Yeah, man, Largo High School, man. Shout out to Largo, man, LJP, hometown. But my junior seasons where, where I kind of, you know, people really knew who Dexter McCluster was. Like, you know, everybody in my neighborhood knew I was the smallest guy out there, but I always bought that fire. I always bought that that spark that a team needed, man. I was just fearless, you know. So that junior year kind of propelled me to like, you know what, this little guy can play. Like, he can really play. But my senior year, man, uh, everything was just going right. You know, like you said, I rushed for 24 90 that year, uh, about, you said, I, I want to say 39 touchdowns. But that year was so special, man, because I was the first in Pinellas County, my county history, to uh, rush for over 2,000 yards in a single season. So I earned the nickname Mr. 2000 after that. So I went and got a, uh, a plate for my car that said Mr. Uh, 2000 on it. I was feeling good. And the, and the funny thing about that, and the crazy thing about it is that year I set out four games in the fourth quarter because we were just beating the teams and, uh, you know, so coach sat me down. So I could have probably went for almost 3,000 yards if I would have played every single game, the whole game. So that was just a special year. Wow. Yeah, definitely an incredible season for you. And that led you ending up to go to Old Miss. Why Old Miss? Uh, Talk to us about kind of your selection process. Yeah. So um, why Old Miss? Everybody always said that, man, you're a Florida boy. How, How did you end all the way up in Mississippi? So uh, my answer is still the same, man. You know, I was committed to South Florida and Tampa. I had just had my uh, firstborn child. So, of course, I wanted to stay home and be close, be close to home, be close to her. But uh, Coach Ed Ogeron, the head coach for LSU, he has a way to get you pumped up and get you ready for a game. And he came down to my living room back home in my hometown and had me standing up, throwing pillows and saying what he can see me doing and having everybody involved, my mom and dad. So he had me ready to play a game right then and there in my living room. So, 
after he left that day, I told my mom and dad, I said, listen, I'm going to South Florida and Tampa. Why not use a free college tour and go down there just to check Ole Miss out, right? So I get down there to Ole Miss, and it was just, it just felt right, man. It was a culture shock. Yeah, I'm, you know, 14, 15 hours away, but it's a total shock for me, but it just felt right. But it ended up being one of the best decisions of my life because, you know, coming back home, flying with, with my dad, I looked at him and said, hey, dad, I know where I want to go. He was like, where? I said, Ole Miss. And he was like, you know what? I'm behind you 100%. So Coach Ed Ogeron, he he came in there and he, he, stuck me, he stuck me out of Tampa. So it was the best decision of my life. Oh, that's awesome. I love the story. And so let's talk about you playing at almost. What was that like for you being a true freshman playing your first season at Ole Miss? Yeah, uh, true freshman, uh, 2006. I actually earned my uh, way on as a starter, you know, my uh, freshman year. And my first college game, I scored my first touchdown on a trick play. And it was, it's famous for the McCluster Fluster. You know, I, as I said, I'm the smallest guy out there, right? So uh, as we break the huddle, the linemen, they stand straight up. Of course, they're about six four, six five, six three, six two, and I'm five eight. So I would crouch down and hide behind our guard. And the quarterback just got the ball, put it between my legs. One team goes to the right, I go to the left. And it was a touchdown, right? So it was it was a special moment because I was so excited. I had just turned 18 years old. I'm in Mississippi, first college game, and here I am on this trick play scoring my first touchdown, man. That's that's one of the, one of the highlights of my my career in general. Oh, that's great. And then you ended up suffering an injury later on in the season. Can you talk to us about how did you deal with that injury from a mental standpoint and just kind of you know, stay locked in on your recovery? It was tough because, um, like I said, I think it was like the sixth game of the uh, season. My rookie campaign was going pretty, not rookie, I'm sorry, freshman campaign was going pretty good. And playing Vanderbilt at Ole Miss, the opening kickoff return, I caught it. I was running and I got hit. And I got hit so hard, you know, uh, it knocked me out. So I was lights out for at least five seconds. So when I came back to, I got up and everybody's around me like, hey, next you all right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just let me walk it off. And I started walking. My legs kind of just gave out. So I ended up uh, after that game, staying the night in the hospital, you know, for the percussion protocol. And uh, since I had been knocked out, right? So the next day I get out the uh, hospital, I'm at study table after practice. And I'm uh, typing, I'm typing. And I went to reach for the mouse on the computer. And I noticed my left arm, it wouldn't, I couldn't move it. So now I'm panicking, like, okay, I can't move my arm. Like, am I paralyzed? What's going on? So I called my trainer and he was like, you know, uh, hey, just get, get over right away. And it got to the point to where I couldn't pick up a piece of paper. My arm was just stuck. I had no movement, right? So it was tough, man. So it was it was nice to where, like, you know, I was I would cry all the time. You know, uh, my wife, she, she, would, she would be by my side, you know, encouraging me, hey, listen, you have to go to treatment. You have to stay positive about it. But being that young, being 17, 18 years old, going through something, I thought my career was over. I thought football was done for me. I thought I lost I lost my left arm feeling for, for the rest of my career, right? So I kind of gave up, to be honest. I gave up and I stopped going to treatment because I was like, you know what? I can't pick up a piece of paper. I'm not going to go to treatment and do this because I'm done. I'm finished. So I kind of laid in my own funk, laid in my own sorrow. What was me type of situation? But again, my wife came to me and was like, hey, man, keep fighting, keep fighting. And eventually about Maybe five months later, I got all the feeling back in my arm. So I got through that just by fighting and having somebody in my corner, like my wife, or it could be a friend, or it could be, you know, mom or dad, whoever it is, having somebody in that corner, like we talked about earlier, you surround yourself around like you want to see them win. So I had my wife in my corner, man, and just that fight mentality. You know what? Everybody said I'm too small to do it. I'm going to fight through this and I'm going to do it. So that's how I got through that adversity. 
Well, it's awesome that you had such an amazing wife. And I know we'll talk about Brittany a little bit later in the show, but it was great yes. to have her support and encouragement to help you get through that process. And you mentioned a couple of times in the show how you're a smaller guy, 5'8". And there are, we've seen a number of great athletes who are smaller guys do well in right. college as well as in, in the NFL. And so for guys yeah. that might be smaller athletes, what advice would you give them about continuing to push and go after what they want? Yeah, I would say, man, at the end of the day, me personally, I know I'm the smallest out there, but you couldn't tell me that. So no matter what the outside world says, if you know within yourself that you're good at something, you keep fighting. You keep fighting because eventually they will have to respect it. And if they don't respect it, oh well, right? But I would just say, man, don't look at what the world is saying. It's about what you feel in your heart. It's about your fight. It's about what you want in your life. And I promise you, if you keep going, don't be afraid to fail. A lot of people are afraid to fail. That's why they don't try new things, try certain things. They'd rather sit back and talk about you. But those are the guys that will never be or get to where you're going to go because you're not afraid to take that step. You're not afraid to get knocked down. So don't be afraid to get knocked down. And if you do, get up and keep fighting because it's always better when you fight for it. Absolutely. And as I'm listening to you say that, I'm just thinking about whether you're an athlete or you're just anybody in life. And that, that advice applies to any of us, right? And yes, so, I mean, even exactly. when... When I look at my own journey and when it comes to football, as you can imagine, being a woman who says, you know, hey, I know football and I can talk it just like any other guy that played it. That's not always well received by people. And so over the years, you know, I've had to fight and and prove myself and opportunities have come over the last couple of years, which has been fantastic. But I've had people say to me like, oh, well, you're so lucky that you get to do this. And it's like, you don't know what I've gone through to get here. Right. Exactly. exactly. And And they'll never know. Unless, right. unless they were right there with you or they did or they did it themselves. Absolutely. So I really appreciate that advice. So oh, let's yeah. go back to you being at Ole Miss because uh, I want to talk about your senior season because there's lots of great okay. highlights to talk about. They're setting two school records when y'all played Tennessee, right? Yes. Well, I guess let's talk about, let me ask you, what was your most memorable game in your senior season? Well, you just said it. my most memorable game was the, uh, the Tennessee game and how ironic that I live in Tennessee now. So I cheer for those those guys right now. But Ole Miss all, all day, all the way. So Ole Miss fans, uh, don't don't kill me. It's just I watch Tennessee a little more now because I live here. But um, yeah. yeah, the Tennessee game, uh, I was more so excited because, again, back to Coach Ed Ogeron, the one that got me to come to Ole Miss, the one that recruited me. He, at the moment, was on the defensive staff at Tennessee, right? So I'm like, you know what? I'm playing Coach Ed Ogeron. He brought me in here. He believed in me. Now I want to. I want to actually get a chance to show him everything that he said. It came. It, it came to life, right? So I'm excited about that. And I've never been a vocal guy. I am. I'm more so am now. Uh, it, it came with you know age and just a little bit more maturity. But I've always been the guy just to go out there and work hard. Work hard. They'll see it. It becomes contagious. But that game, I woke up. I said, Coach, uh, can I talk to the team today? So he was like, Yeah, most definitely. So I stood up and I told the team, hey, I'm going to run so hard, you're going to have to carry me off the field. And when I said that, I don't know if I really believed it. And maybe I did, though. I don't know. because It came to life. When I got out there, man, it's like everything was going right. Every time I touched the ball, my blockers were where they needed to be. The ball was where it needed to be. And you know, I ended up scoring four touchdowns, over uh, 300 all-purpose yards. It was just a game to remember. And it's a famous quote uh, on that run. It's the guy that announced it. He says, Houdini lives. And that moment right there was dope, man, because my grandmother, she's always, every time she saw me, she would be like, who did he live? So it's kind of a cool moment. So I think that game right there was 
kind of what got me drafted so high when I did get drafted into the NFL. Oh, for sure. And we'll talk about you being drafted in just a, a minute. But before we leave Ole Miss, I do want to talk about your final game in Watt Hemingway Stadium. Y'all played the then ranked, uh, they were ninth ranked LSU. You guys ended up winning and uh, you rushed for 148 yards, also through a college touchdown pass. Talk to us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let me go back to my history and me trying to throw the ball. So my coach, he, he had more confidence in me and throwing the ball than I did. So that year, I threw the ball about five or six times, and every single one of them was either an interception or an incomplete ball pass, right? But I don't know, for some reason, he just never gave up on me, you know, right? So LSU game, it's a night game. The crowd is going crazy. And, of course, I'm having a night. I'm having a good night. I'm rushed for over 100 yards. So Coach knew that, you know what? Every time you get the ball, they're just going to fly and forget about everybody, right? So I got the ball. Everybody, you know, came towards me. And I had Shea Hodge, you know, open. I could have probably punted it to him. He was so open. But I just threw it and I prayed. And it's probably one of the best throws I've ever had in my life, to be honest, whether it's on the field or throwing in my neighborhood uh, with, with my daughters or on my homeboys. But I threw it, Shea caught it, and it was a touchdown. So I would like to say uh, it was a lucky, uh, lucky play. But at the end of the day, it, it, it got executed and we made the touchdown. That's awesome. I'm sure it's a great yeah. way to kind of end your career at home too. Um, yes. and, and I'll just share with everyone listening that you finished your college career at Ole Miss with over 3,600 yards total between rushing and receiving 23 touchdowns. And as you mentioned, you know, being drafted, you were in the second round, as I talked about when I introduced yes. you. So talk about being drafted second round in the 2010 draft. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, it was nerve-wracking in my mind, in my heart. I knew I was a first rounder, but you know, uh, it, it was, it was up to whoever was picking me if they believed in me. So the, uh, the first round, you know, everybody just came to my home back in my hometown. We just kind of watching it. I really didn't have any big expectations, but I would have been, you know, happy if I would have won the first round, whatever. But we watched, we watched it. It didn't happen. Right. But on the second day, I've already had the camera crew because I had so much hope and I, I kind of felt that it was my time. Right. So. I was like, okay, I rented this venue out for my whole neighborhood to come out. We're at the venue. I got the camera crews there. And I'm like, wow, if if I don't get picked and, you know, I got my family here and the camera crew here, this is going to look bad. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be heartbroken, right? So now I'm sitting down, like, praying in my head, like, please, please, Lord, have somebody call me because I'm nervous, but I'm trying to keep a straight face. So my phone rang. It was a blocked number. And I leaned over to my agent and said, hey, uh, should I answer this? And he was like, uh, yeah. So I picked it up and I hear a voice saying, hey, uh, is this Dexter? I say, yes. They're like, uh, do you know who this is? I say, no. They're like, this is the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to pick you up next, man. Congratulations. We can't wait to uh, see you, man. Enjoy the family. Boom. It's like when that conversation happened, a weight just dropped off my shoulders. I gave everybody the nod. And after that, the rest was history, man. We had a party. My family there, my grandmother, my uncles, my cousins, you know, old teammates, ex-teammates. We had a good time, man. It was it was nervous, man, but it, it was one of the most memorable moments of my life because that day right there really, you know, really changed my life, to be honest. Changed my life for the better. Sure. Yeah, I love the story. And so let's talk about one date in particular, September 13th, 2010. That was when you made your debut. You ended up yes. having a 94-yard punt return for touchdown. Talk mm -hmm. to us about how did that feel for you? Oh, man, it felt great. So uh, I guess I can just walk you through that day because I can still remember like, as if it was right now if I'm in that moment. So I came out of the locker room. It's Monday night. It's dark outside. The lights are on. 
just Chiefs fans going crazy. So I'm, that was a really welcome to the NFL moment for me. Like, wow, like I'm really here, right? So uh, we had a punt returner, Javier Arenas uh, from Alabama, great punt returner, great defensive guy. So he was handling the punts all uh, camp. And I would come in every now and then and catch a couple of punts here and there. But I just knew he was the guy for the job because I was focused on more offense. And, you know, things weren't going too good on our return game. So I saw uh, our coach lean over to our special teams coach and say, hey, I want to uh, see McCluster return one. And I read his lips. And when I saw him say that, my heart dropped to my feet. I'm nervous. I'm like, oh, my God. All right, thanks. Keep your composure. Just catch the ball. I don't care if you gain a yard. Just catch it. Just catch it. Just catch it. So I'm back there. It's raining. So my gloves are wet. So I got my hands between my thighs. Like, okay, just stay dry. Just catch the ball. I don't care what you do. Just catch it. Ball's in the air. I caught it. And when I caught it, I looked around and had room, made one guy miss and took it 94 yards for uh, the touchdown. And actually, uh, my first NFL game broke the franchise record for the longest punt return in Chiefs history, uh, which was held by Dante Hall. Then I broke it. And then a couple of years later, when that guy Cheetah came in, shout out to Cheetah, man. And when he came into, uh, to the NFL, he broke my record by, I think, one yard. But it was just a great moment, a great feeling, great moment and made a part of history. Oh, for sure. And I'm glad that you mentioned that uh, you broke a record because I was going to mention that if you did not. So, oh, yeah, I, I jumped the gun. I'm going to do that. <laughs> no, that's good. That's I'm good. Ready. So the NFL is very different than playing college football, as you know. And you know, when I have a lot of guys on the show, they'll talk about how the NFL is a business. So that's one difference. Yes. Another one is the speed of the game is faster. When you mm-hmm. look back for you, what was the biggest eye opener for you transitioning into the NFL? Um, the biggest eye opener, I would say, uh, honestly, just like you said, just the speed, you know, I've always been a fast guy and the SEC, you know, it's full of speed. So you, you kind of, you kind of prepare for it a little bit, but you have guys 250 pounds that's running fast or just as fast as you on the field. Right. So that's when like, you know, the knowledge of the game, you know, uh, finding that, that extra tip that you may need to keep you ahead of the game because everybody's the best of the best there. And the difference between that and college is. You know, everybody's still competitors. Everybody, you know, is pretty much the, the cream of the crop. But in college, you're on scholarship and you'll get more chances than usual to, you know, to get things right, to get things right. But in the NFL, every single day is a job interview, no matter who you are. Unless you're one of those guys like Tom Brady's of the world and stuff like that, then you're pretty much secure. But for the, for the guys that's not secure, you have to go in every single day and work and fight and show why you deserve to be there. And it's, the moment they feel like you're not deserving of being there, Hey, they have somebody else in line. We'll see you later. Thanks for what you what you gave us. But hey, it's a revolving door around here. So you have to bring your A game all the time. That's the difference. Absolutely. And I like that you mentioned it's like a job interview every day. I mean, people have talked about how there's always somebody that's vying for your spot. So you got to perform. Yep. But I've never heard anybody say it like it's a job interview every day. So I really like yes. that analogy. Yes. So you, or I mentioned this earlier, you earned the nickname Mr. Everything because of your athletic yeah. abilities. And you certainly dominated on the field at Ole Miss, but also in the NFL. And so something that I want to share with folks is while you were with the Titans, you had a season where you were the only NFL player to have 200 plus yards in each of four different categories, those being kick returns, punt right. returns, rushing, and receiving yards. So talk to us about that season. And what do you think, Again, was it about Dexter that allowed you to perform so well? The thing with me that drives me is just priding myself on, you know, no situation is too big for me. And if it is, I will work hard to make sure I can accomplish whatever I want to accomplish. My mental toughness is through the roof, man. Like every single, I don't know if you watch my Instagram page, but 
you know, when I train, when I do that stuff, like that's every day, the energy, the fight, the passion, the love, all of that is who Dexter McCluster is. And that's why I'm able to touch so many people, whether young or old, because I'm always me and I have a way to, you know, make people believe even when they don't believe, you know? So that's something I just proud, proud myself on just being that, that go get a go get a nonstop. Yeah, you have great energy. It's something I've loved about you. And so I'm, I can yeah. hear it here as you're you're talking about different uh, stories and just advice. And so that energy is such a great thing to have. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm over here getting hyped right now when I talk <laughs> about it. I mean, that's, that's when I know I'm really walking in my true purpose because, yeah, football, I loved it. It's something I was great at. But to be honest, and I know I may be jumping the gun, but I'm having more fun after football than than while I was playing, if that makes sense. I had a great time playing, loved it, changed my life forever. But now I can, I really see what life is really about. Man. It's, and it's about being the best that you can be and helping out others, man. Just doing what you can to bring a smile to you know, someone's face each and every day, no matter what you're feeling or how you're going through it, because somebody or everybody deserves that smile. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I actually had a phone call earlier today with a, uh, she did sign as a client and she was talking about how like my story and my background, like she was just so impressed. Like I was about to be in tears, just how highly she was talking about how I had impacted her just from our conversation. And so, I mean, that's really what it is about is how you help others to move the ball and enable and empower and inspire them. So I completely understand you know what you're saying about how what you're doing now is just so much you're having fun with it and it's so much more impactful too yes. yeah my, my my new nfl and the thing about it though when, when people ask me the question man you're so small how did you do it in the nfl and i think they, they see it now because now i'm out the path the helmet's off and now i'm still you know doing things working out training uh motivating the youth just doing all this and this this guy they see now dexter has been that same guy. So now I, I think they see, okay, this is why he had so much success over here because this is who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a number of folks that listen to the show are guys that are student athletes or that play in the league and are looking to, I mean, you're obviously one guy that has that was in the league for longer than the average. And so what mm-hmm. tips or what suggestions would you give to guys that are trying to make it to the league or folks that are, you know, in the league and trying to, to stay there longer, what would you share with them? Uh, I would definitely say you have to be hungrier than the, than, the, than the average every single day. You have to wake up in the morning. You have to walk in it. You have to talk in it. You have to really live it. If you really want something, you have to do the extra. Whatever that extra is to you, you have to do it. Whether it's waking up at 2 in the morning, making that sacrifice to do it, uh, working out, running, doing whatever, just put your mind to it and, and try not to let others dictate where you want to be or challenge who they think that you can be. Because at the end of the day, you can be whatever you want to be. But when you say that, when you say you want something, you can't just say it and not mean it. So when you say it, you have to believe it. And when you believe it, everybody else around you will believe it. It'll come true and it'll be a whole happy celebration. So keep going if you want to, whatever you want to do, be prepared to fall, but be prepared to fight back. Because at the end of the day, Nobody cares how you get to the top. It's always somebody trying to get you back down to their level. So you keep fighting, you keep clawing, you keep chasing greatness every single day, and it will eventually come. Well said. I really like that. And so one other thing that's very important to me, and I work with a lot of guys as they're trying to be successful beyond 
the game is doing things while you're still in the NFL to position yourself for that future success. Because as you know, Dexter, I mean, a lot of guys' careers end a lot sooner than they thought it was going to, and they feel like they still Uh have more to give and the opportunity is not there. So then, as you know, there's a lot of guys that struggle with that transition. Uh, And so what, what would you share are things that guys should do now while still playing to help position them to be successful for whatever it is they're going to do next? I guess I'll start on the financial uh, aspect of everything. You know, when you're in the league, you know, you're getting these checks, whatever whatever amount that is for you. So you're seeing that constantly every single day, every day. But it's going to come a time, whether it's two years from now, five years from now, 20 years from now, whatever it may be, it's going to uh, become a time where those checks are going to stop coming. You're not going to see those $20,000, $50,000 checks again. So it's all about how you position yourself. So I would definitely say, invest now invest into something it doesn't have to be anything big but choose the right investments invest in it invest in yourself man if you, if you have something that you love to do outside of that whether it's singing rapping going into the um homeowner situation just just invest in yourself save as much money as you can and just be smart you don't always have to have the gucci's and louis all that yes it's good to have but at the end of the day man you want to make sure that what you did on that field is not in vain Make sure that you save, save, save. And the most important thing I would have to tell you guys is learn how to say no and not feel bad about it. Learning how to say no. Oh, that's very You can't, very save, you can't save the world. So you have to know if, if you can't do it, hey, no is okay. And if, they, if, they, if they're mad at that no, they get mad at you. Hey, at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you protect yourself and your family at all times, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. And saying no is important too, not only from a- And it's hard. Yes. Yeah. It's hard to say no. That's the family. It's hard. Yes. Yeah. And so you have to have that discipline to say no to the things that don't make sense and and be smart about what you're choosing to to invest in and to spend your money on. So let's talk about what you're doing now. So I mentioned, we mentioned that, you know, you're training people now. Talk to us a little bit more about McClusterfit. Yeah. So McClusterfit, I've been doing it now for a little over a year now. Once I retired and, you know, hung the cleats up. I wanted to make sure that I still kept myself in shape and just stayed on a, a regular day regimen to keep myself busy. I'm used to structure. Every day we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing that. So my days planned out. So I was working out and started hashtagging with Cluster Fit. And at that moment, I wasn't thinking about be, becoming a trainer, but you know, uh, somebody reached out and was like, hey, um, how much do you charge? Do you train? How much do you charge? I was like, no, I don't. But you know what? It's something I probably look into because I'm already a motivator. I love what I do. And I'm just a people person overall. You know, so... I started, you know, looking into it, got certified as a speed and agility and functional movement coach. Once I did that, I was in the park probably. I used to do like 10 sessions a day, just in the park, nonstop, nonstop, because I want to make sure just as hard as I worked on the field, I want, this is my new baby. So I want to work hard. I want, I want people to see me actually get my hands dirty to let them know that this is something that I really believe in and something that I love. And Fast forward now, man. Like things are things are good, man. I, I train just the everyday person that want want to be fit, want to be healthy. But my heart is with my youth athletes, man. My youngest youngest athlete I train is four years old, and from four all the way on up. But I just love giving back to those guys because just seeing how they they light up when you know when they believe in you. when you when someone believes in them when they push them to where you know what I thought this was my limit, but no, it's not because this guy's so motivated. He brings the energy every day. This guy cares. So when they see that, man, that's my highlight. So McCluster Fit is a real thing based out, out here in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. My daughter, they go to D.C. Dance Factory, one of the top dance schools here in uh, Tennessee, uh, maybe in the Tennessee area. And now I'm just I'm on staff there now. So I work there uh, with the 
preteens as well as the uh, young men dancers as well. So things just go. It's, things are going up right now, man. And I'm I'm able to use my platform what I did on the field, but then show them the real oh, who Dexter McCluster is without that helmet on. It's just been a blessing just to just to be a part of something that my name is still attached to, and it's just going as well as it is. So I thank God for that. Oh, I love that. And uh, yeah, I see the, the posts that you put out there and the things that you're doing. And uh, I think what you're doing is awesome. And uh, yeah. I encourage everyone to check you out and, and what you're doing there. Please and do. Yeah. And uh, something else that I wanted to chat about on the show, we mentioned your wife, Brittany, earlier. So big shout out to Brittany to something that shout she's doing. Yes. yes. Yeah. So Brittany is a baker. And so she's got a business, Brit's Baking Baby. So talk to us about her business and what she's doing and how people can learn more about it. Yeah, shout out to the wife, man. I love her. She's been holding me down for 15 years strong, man. So I know it hasn't been easy, but it's been fun. But uh, yeah, so um, she's from New Orleans, so they're, they're big in tradition. So they love to cook, but she wanted to do something with our girls to kind of, you know, maybe they can start something when they, later on down the line, 50 years, 60 years down the line when they start a family <laughs> that they can bake, bake with their children, right? So uh, she started baking and been posting pictures and people just started to gravitate towards it. And I said, hey, we, like, you're really good at this. Like, you really love this and your food is great. No matter what, your cakes are great. So, I mean, she just, you know, uh, hit the ground running. People, I, I will put it out there. People will buy it. We got everything situated. So now she sold probably over 200 cakes, uh, cookies, all type of things, man. She put so much time into it. Like, it's nothing from the store, store bought. Like, she, she actually, she whips up, she makes her own whipping cream. She makes everything from scratch, man. And she puts love and time into it. So if y'all can follow my wife, Brits Baking Babies, uh, B-R-I-T-S-B-A-K-I-N-G-B-A-Y-B-E-E-S. Brits Baking Babies, man. You won't regret it. Perfect. And we'll have her link in the show notes as well so she can follow you. And then also from a cluster fit. So what is your wife's favorite thing to bake? Well, as, as of lately, it's been uh, homemade cinnamon rolls. Uh, they, she, she started this recipe about two, three weeks ago and she's made them a, a few times and they're great. So I, I think right now it's really her cinnamon rolls, but she loves to debate the cakes and decorate those because she can show how creative she is and she can kind of put a piece of her in, in every cake. That's why she takes her time. So I would say the, the cinnamon rolls and de- definitely decorating and baking the cakes. Okay. Well, next time I'm in Nashville, I'm definitely looking forward to trying her cinnamon rolls and yes. the cakes. I'll work out extra, yes. extra hard afterwards. But yes. I'm across the fit. I'm right here. That's right. That's hey, right. Go get, yes. Go get your cakes from my wife and then come get your cakes right with DMC. <laughs> there you go. Love it. So, <laughs> so Dexter, what I want to do now to close our show is take you through my two minute drill. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. First question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? When I was 10 years old, I wanted to be a famous NFL player. There you go. Well, you achieved that, didn't you? Yeah. Good job. <laughs> Next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? I would have to say my five-year-old daughter once she gets older because she's like the spitting image of me. And I know with the technology and things, they, they can they can make her look like Papa a little more. So I would say my, my daughter because she has me down to a T. Okay. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? Turks and Caicos is my favorite vacation spot. Beautiful place, beautiful people. I had a great time. And I, put, I spent my honeymoon there as well, too. So, yeah. Oh, awesome. Next question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Favorite ice cream flavor has to be cookies and cream. I love it. I can eat it every day. That's a good choice as well. How about what is a pet peeve of yours? Pet peeve of mine is leaving the toilet seat up. Or if I see the toilet seat up, I can't brush my teeth while the toilet seat's up. I can't 
be wet and out the shower and I see the toilet seat up. So I hate the toilet seat being up. So put the toilet seat down, please. Okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. My next question is what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Uh, What book am I currently reading? The Bible, the word, read that. But other than that, just the new podcast that that I've been a part of, you know, uh, now yours. So I'm definitely going to tune in to you on this one. So uh, let's see if I can make this my favorite. There you go. Pressure's on. Okay. Let's do it. All right. My last question is, you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Three famous uh, people. You said three, right? Or six? Three. 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 All right. I would definitely have to have to say Bernie Mac because I know he... He's like me. He's funny. He's just laughing the party. He just says what he has to say and he gets his point across. So definitely Bernie Mac. After Bernie Mac, shucks. Dion, not Dion, Barry Sanders. He's still alive. Uh, one of my idols growing up watching. So Barry Sanders. And um, I would have to say Jamie Foxx. Multi-talented guy. Actor, singer. No limits. He's done, man. Just great, great guy. So those three guys plus me, uh, man, it'd be a party to remember. Well, there you go. Yes, definitely entertaining. Yes. So, Dexter, as we look to close the show, any last words? And then secondly, let people know where they can follow you. Yes. uh, Any last words? I would just say, and no matter what you're going through, it's always better when you fight for it. I know it gets tough. I know it gets hard. You know, you might feel like, you know what, you have nothing left. But I promise you, you do, man. Just keep the faith and show God that you're ready for it and keep going no matter what life throws at you. And I promise you, man, your, your light will shine and it will shine onto others, man. So just keep going no matter what. And to follow me on Instagram, it's just Dexter McCluster all the way through D-E-X-T-E-R-M-C-C-L-U-S-T-E-R. My personal training page is McCluster Fit. You will love that page. I bring energy. I bring skits. I bring, we, we have a good time in what we do at McCluster Fit. Also, Twitter is just Dexter McCluster as well. And be on the lookout. I'm going to drop my YouTube next week, man. So I need y'all to subscribe once I get it up. But I'll let that, that's, that's a whole different conversation. That's a different one. So I'll let you guys know. But I appreciate everything. Thank you for having me as well. Well, thank you so much. And we'll have all of those links and we'll have the link to your YouTube in the show notes as well when you're ready to go live with that. And again, really appreciate you coming on the show. Now, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. And if you did like our conversation, again, please tell somebody else about the show who you think may like it too. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.